Welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. Please bet responsibly. Visit dunlui.net for further information. Hello and welcome to the build-up on Balls.ie, our podcast here in association with Labrooks, where we get you hyped for the sporting weekend. My name is Mark Fardy, and as always, I am joined by Mick McCarthy. Mick, how's the form? You say as always, Mark, but we've had, this is our, you know, our Wednesday show, I know we did the golf show yesterday, but our Wednesday show, we haven't been on together in three whole weeks due to various holidays. So dare I ask you how the form is? The form is good. Uh, How's our I form really in enjoyed, Big Shouts? Uh, form Big Shouts, poor, very poor. But I'm going to fix all that today. But uh, I've, uh, I'm excited for the start of the US Open. Of course, we spoke to uh, US golf journalist Mike Bailey already this week on the build-up. If you haven't listened to that, you can jump back into the build-up feed and you will find it there where it went up yesterday. So uh, I'm already hyped for that. And then this weekend, obviously, we've got the European Champions Cup is back on. We've got the quarterfinals. We'll be chatting to Stephen Ferris about the possibility of Ulster upsetting to lose. And happily from a Leinster perspective, I suppose it's the possibility of Saracens upsetting Leinster, which we may not have thought of saying this time 12 months ago when the exactly, season was yeah. starting, funnily enough. Exactly. A lot, a lot of water has gone under the bridge for Saracens <laughs> in Saracens the last, and uh, in the the last 12 months. <laughs> and indeed the world. Yeah, of course. Yeah, this should be next season, but unfortunately it's still last season and I'm more confused than ever. But what is next season is the football season. And I know we're gonna, you're going to be talking about what we're doing there as well. We've also got like GEA, you know, we're coming into like county final periods of GEA and different things. With the NFL is back. Like, it's border the NBA uh, playoffs. We're in the About conference say, finals yeah. now. We're like we're in borderline insane territory at the moment. Like let's yep. face it, it's absolutely bonkers. Of course, I'm just checking every five minutes to see who Aston Villa's latest signing is on Twitter. I've become one of those weirdos, you know, one of those like angry announce so and so people without actually. I'm not actually joining in the tweet part of it, but it's I'm look I'm looking for the same information as those crazy people, you know. But there's sport on every minute of the day. It's really high level, high end sport, right at the at the business end of of competitions and everything like that. And I'm still wondering about whether uh, Milo Rashika is training for Werder Bremen today or whether he might be on the way to Birmingham. Every time, speaking of today, breaking news, uh, Emiliano Martinez has indeed signed for Aston Villa. And the only reason I'm bringing it up is because every time I see his name written down on Twitter or on websites or whatever it may be, immediately my voice reads it in the Will Ferrell in uh, what was the uh, Roxbury Knights movie where he's like Emilio night- Estevez yeah. hey Emilio <laughs> it's a night at the Roxbury Mark come on a night at the Roxbury, Roxbury you've ruined this entire <laughs> intro which definitely wasn't meandering at all before that <laughs> well look at, I may call a halt to proceedings here we'll be talking about football later on in the show when we're playing one two three, and of course the big show as well because there might be a sneak preview for this I've uh, got a couple of football selections in it this week but before that let's get into our chat with Stephen Ferris where we preview this weekend's Champions Cup quarterfinals delighted to have Stephen Ferris on the line now Stephen how's it going? not too bad thanks Mark yeah um, slightly disappointed after the weekend for sure but yeah, I think there's going to be a lot more teams disappointed when they play Leinster over the, the coming months and years. They just seem like they're they're a team that just know how to get it done. So, yeah, um, probably I feel similar to the lads as well. It's almost felt like the last two weeks has taken a lot out of everyone who supports Ulster specifically because 
you know, the highs of winning against Edinburgh, then the low of the final, and now having to get yourself back up again for a European Cup quarter final. So it's uh, in the context of everything over the last, what, year and a half with the season, it feels like everything has hinged on the last three weeks. And it, and it does, of course, but it just seems to be coming so thick and fast. Yeah, the Ulster performance, it was hard to gauge. It was almost like Leinster were like a parent just letting their child run about the place. Anytime they were in any uh, trouble doing, doing something dangerous, they'd be like, oh, like, hold on a minute now. <laughs> just because Ulster had plenty of possession. But the minute they got near the try line, they, either through their own errors or through enforced errors or penalties or whatever it was, Leinster were just able to keep them at arm's distance. Yeah, they certainly were. I think maybe that early score for Ulster wasn't a particularly good thing. Um, they tried to play a bit more rugby than they probably should have. I feel that certainly Saracens will kick the ball a hell of a lot more uh, this weekend when they play them in the quarterfinal. And I know everybody, Mark, was given Munster dog's abuse about box kicking, kicking the leather off it. Um, but maybe that's the way to beat them. You know, maybe that is the way. If JJ Hanron had a, knocked over those two penalties, 10-9 get into the last 10 minutes, you just never know a bounce of the ball or a, a silly individual error um, it might cost you the game. And I certainly feel that Saracens will kick the leather off it um, compared to the way Ulster did. And Ulster just tried to play for me, a, a little bit too much rugby. And at times, the Leinster defence just suffocated them, made them make mistakes, got turnovers. And then when they got an opportunity to strike, they'd done that. And I think even after the 45th minute, it was actually pretty boring. There wasn't that many um, talking points after the match. And even working for Premier Sports at the weekend there, we were, and it wasn't just me or Big Jim Hamilton or Darren Cave or Birch who was on. We were kind of repeating ourselves, you know, a little bit and you know we've been repeating ourselves about Leinster for the last three or four weeks and just the way that they're playing um, and it, they're just such a difficult team to beat so uh, yeah I certainly feel that this weekend is going to be a, a much bigger test for, for Leinster uh, against the Saris What about just on uh, same with Ulster for a second though I mean we talked a few weeks ago after the, the I suppose dead rubber Leinster game saying that like you know they really have to get themselves up now for when it matters against Edinburgh and you know in fairness to them they did do that and they got the result they needed and maybe Leinster are just that kind of like level above at the moment and there's 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 issues with the performance but ultimately maybe they weren't going to win that if both teams were at their best anyway whereas now you get into a quarter final again and it's it's the short turnaround time it's the the change of focus it's like this is a get out of jail. This is a way of changing the focus and the the momentum of the season and the story of the season really but it's against another world-class team and away from home. I just wonder what the mentality will be like for the coach and for the players this week. How do you, do you see it as a shot to nothing? Let's leave it all out in the field or is the pressure on? I think Mickey, what some of the players might do, the coaching staff certainly will, is that they will review the Leinster game, go through the Leinster game you know, they'll have their video review on the Monday or Tuesday morning. It's usually you know, straight after when the lads are back in. They'll dissect it. This is what we've done right. This is what we've done wrong. I think sometimes it's good to just draw a line under something and not revisit it. Um, I, would be, I would be looking back to previous games in Europe 
um, the style of play that they can, they, they're more than capable of playing against the bigger teams, the likes of Racing, Claremont over the last number of years, mm. um, and away from home as well, and take more out of those games than last week, because last week, Ulster, their big ball carriers, Marcel Coutier was was more or less chopped at the ankles every time by Josh van der Fleer, couldn't get into the game, McCluskey had a, a super game. And anybody I was chatting to before the match was like, oh, Ulster need to play like they did in the last 20 minutes against Edinburgh and throw the ball around and get their forwards, you know, linking up and pop passing. And I was like, well, I'm not sure. If, if you do that against Leinster early on and you make a couple of mistakes, you know, they generally capitalise on them. For me personally, it's about making it as cagey for as long as possible. And something might go your way or you might come up with a brilliant play like Ulster did in the first uh, five or six minutes of the match to get James Hume over the try line. But it's a new week. And I think the players specifically can't dwell on last week. You know, They can't begin into the video analysis and get into all their individual stats and look at how many tackles they made and the many tackles they missed. And like dwelling on it, it was a final. Leinster, we know, are by far the best team in the Pro 14. So Ulster... Just park it, move on, emotionally get yourself right, physically get yourself right, which is the most important thing. I'm sure the, the bodies are hurting over the last mm. few weeks. And bring uh, an intensity to the game like they did against Leinster. And, you know, you might find yourself 14 points up and then it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a different game plan thereafter in the match. Um, but, yeah, it's, that's easier said than done against a Toulouse team that are um, you know, star studding with the, the the amount of players that they have. A couple of guys back from bands. You know, one match bands like just because they can get themselves fit, uh, ready to go for a European Cup quarterfinal. So, again, I know I've said this, Mick, a few times over the last number of weeks. The odds are certainly stacked against Ulster, but uh, I give them a chance as always. Lineup wise, do you see any changes again? I know there's there's uh, worries that could see it might be. Uh, an injury doubt and then obviously last week there was the surprise of Matheson coming in ahead of John Cooney could you see that maybe switching around again um, I, I could yes but I don't think it, I don't think it will I, I think um, Dan McFarland uh, made a decision there last week one that if I was John Cooney I would have been absolutely furious like um, you know that was Matheson's first start for Ulster and it was in the Pro 14 final the amount of blood sweat and tears that John Cooney's given to the Ulster jersey over the last couple of years granted he has been slightly off the ball and he would probably be the first person to admit that that he hasn't been playing his best rugby um, and you know up up here and around the place you know the old Shepherds hook at half time against Edinburgh thankfully it's never happened to me but if it did happen to me on a big occasion in a semi-final, I bloody wouldn't be happy about it. And I'm sure John wasn't happy about it the way that happened. And I think the way Ulster then kicked on and went after it. And, and everybody can say, look, it was a brilliant decision by Dan McFarlane because inevitably Ulster went on to win that match. So he's going to stick by his guns. But um, Dan McFarlane, he, he's made his bed now. He's going to have to sleep in it re- regarding team selection. He's keeping with the young lads. Um, and I think that's maybe the right choice up front. I was maybe I maybe thought they would have went back to McGrath um, and Marty Moore just because of the former Leinster. You know they might get themselves up more or, or whatever. But uh, I thought the young lads held their, held their own in the scrum. Um, but yeah, if he goes with the same team selection, 
if he goes to the same team selection as he did last week, there's only going to be one winner, and that's Toulouse. I, I just think that 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 Ulster um, don't have the firepower, and and when I say firepower, I mean ball carriers, I mean Keelan Dorses, I mean Max Deegans, I mean. Um, you know, lads that we see in in the in the top fourteen ripping it up week in week out, and uh, yeah, Ulster just don't have that. You take could see out of the out of that forward pack, they really do struggle to get any momentum, any go forward. Um, sorry, I was going to ask about Leinster, but I just like what what's your what's your thought on this? Do you, do you are you optimistic about um Ulster's chances on? I know you're kind of saying a few different things could happen and team selections, but <laughs> Sorry, man. No, it's gone, it's gone. <laughs> but in general, like I mean, I, I, do you see what what what's their odds? Would you say of, of of getting a result on Sunday? Slim to none is the okay. honest answer. Yeah. Uh, I think I think after the weekend as well. Um, you look at the way Toulouse played a few tries. Um, Colby playing fantastic. Um, you know, single handedly turning games on their heads, and I, I, I think. Like Ulster, they gave it like they didn't roll over against Leinster. Not not one bit at all. They didn't roll over. Not like we did in 2012 <laughs> in the European Cup final. But they, it just felt like Leinster. And I know it's it's the same with a lot of teams that play Leinster. That Leinster, if Ulster had scored again, Leinster would have just cranked it up another level. And and is that because Leinster are really good or Ulster's tactics weren't right? And I think it was probably more that Ulster's tactics just weren't there. And if you're going to play this game of tip-on passes, you need three Marcel Coutsias in the pack. You need Ian Henderson fully fit, not just coming in after how long of a layoff. Alan O'Connor is not a fantastic ball carrier. His work rate is immense. He goes around smashing rocks, putting in tackles. But you need guys to get you over the game line. It's as simple as that. Like, the rugby at the top level, if you do not have momentum and you do not have go forward, then, like, it doesn't matter what outside backs you have. It doesn't matter how good a kick and 10 that you have. I think John Cooney as well. The lack of atmosphere, that's something that we haven't touched on over the last four, four games. He's somebody that always seems to rise up when the big, huge home games against the European favourites at Kingspan, and he scores a couple of tries and gets man of the match and you know, John Cooney's flavour of the week again. That hasn't been happening. I just I feel that the, some players aren't adjusting to that very well. Um, I know there, there's potentially going to be, I think there is actually going to be 5,000 fans let in um, to the venue in France, and hopefully that spurs them on. But to go back to your original uh, question to me about what chance I give Ulster this weekend, it's 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 a very slim one. I do give them a chance, but with the firepower that Toulouse have and the firepower that Ulster don't have, I only see one winner and that's Toulouse. And I, I hope I'm proven wrong. I, yeah. I hope that it's a fantastic game of rugby. The weather's good. The ball's thrown around all over the place and um, Ulster's fitness maybe gets them in the long grass. But... Uh, I can't see that tactic being employed by um, by, by Toulouse this weekend. Leinster, you know, we're looking at 26 in a row if they beat Saracens. And I'm looking at Ladbrook. Saracens are, I think, 4-1, to 3-1 to one to win the match. Leinster minus 9 handicap. Is there... Am I missing something here? I know Saracens are relegated and everything like that, but they still have the majority of the players. I know Owen Farrell is suspended. But they're still the last team to beat Leinster. They're still the team that have won three out of the last four Heineken Cups. 
and their league form is kind of irrelevant. They've been playing kids midweek in you know a, a meaningless competition, and there's still a huge chance that they turn up at the Aviva Stadium and go head to head with Leinster, a team that you know by la- like by the last four years they're at least as good as, if not better. You know, obviously Leinster have kicked on a lot this year, and Saracens have stalled. But am I missing something here with the with the mad odds? Uh, no, you won't believe me. Like, but I texted a few lads saying that I think Leinster could beat Saracens by twenty points. So, <laughs> <laughs> but that was straight. I was straight after the game against Ulster, and as I said there earlier on, I, I think you know Saracens are too cute. They'll be kicking the ball an awful lot more um, and not playing into Leinster's hands. I feel that Farrell is, is a huge miss. Yeah. Um, I think the odds could be you know slashed in half probably if if, if he was playing. Sure. Um, it almost feels that that Leinster owes Saracens one um, from last year from that fixture um, and yeah I have a good feeling about this game I think yeah, I'm not sure if Tag Furlong is fit uh, for, for this this match um, I'm not sure if you've heard anything on the no. on the underground have you? no not no, yet no. Uh, so but there's They've got the guys here stepping up to the plate week in, week out for them. And um, I certainly feel that Leinster are are good for those nine points. I know Saracen's got a cracking win there, a 40-odd point win against Exeter um, at the weekend. But it was an Exeter team that I think five or six of the lads were making their their, their debut in the Gallagher Premiership. They had no leadership on the pitch. You know, Gareth Steenton, who usually captains the second team, he wasn't even involved in the match day 23. So, yeah, for, for, for me... Lancer are going to be fully loaded. Saracens are going to be fully loaded. And I think, you know, the the really exciting thing here is that this is we're going to really see where Leinster are at. Yeah. You know, it's like the best team or second best team extra might have something to say about that in in the Gallagher Premiership going against, you know, undoubtedly the best team in the Pro 14. And it's going to be a real interesting battle, an exciting battle to see who comes out on top and. If uh, if Ulster come out on top, um, or sorry, Ulster, if Leinster come out on top, it'll be a real statement to say, like we are unbeatable, um, and that'll be a, a massive statement going forward in the rest of the tournament as well. Yeah, hopefully we get uh, two, at least two, if not four, great quarterfinals over the weekend. Stephen, thanks very much for joining us. No baller, cheers, lads. Right, hold it, Stay just it. hold it, Alan. Push him out. Steady, David, don't! Get round! No, don't! Bloody! That is the voice of Graham Taylor. And before that, it was the voice of Stephen Ferris, of course. Uh, thanks to Stephen. But Graham Taylor's voice means that it is time for the big shout. It is your chance to win two cakes and a sports biography by giving us a prediction for the sporting weekend that is at least 25 to 1 or greater on Labrooks. And if it comes off, you will win yourself that incredible prize. Mick, you've been off for a couple of weeks. Or sorry, I've been off and then you've been off. So Donnie's been doing it for a couple of weeks. He came close two weeks ago, earned himself the right to do the big shout again. Mark, but, uh, it, it didn't go so well. Oh, that's a yeah. pity. But I'm sorry to interrupt you there. I just like, it's actually speaking of interrupting you that I interrupt you. It was like, I was like, you were on holidays, well-earned time. It's been a, it's been a tough summer. You know, you took your week off. I was like, no matter what happens, if our, if our building burns down, we're not getting in touch with Mark. Where he's going to have his week off. There'll be no messages to him. It was a hard and fast rule coming from me mainly. I was trying to protect you, man. But then 
Danny got the one off on the Ireland match and then Leinster beat Munster by more than seven points and England just needed to score four goals against Iceland and I was so excited I texted you. I said, Danny's going to fucking do it. Danny's <laughs> going to win the mission. Danny's going to win the mission. Come back from your holiday immediately. <laughs> so I did and he lost. <laughs> he did, of course. England uh, were absolutely shite against Iceland and scored one late goal. But uh, Yeah, well, this, this week sad. I am at back of the helm. So don't worry. Because there's sensible, uh, there's sensibility back now, Mick. Give, yeah. Even though I've been doing this every other week for over twelve months now, and have yet to win the big shout. Yeah. If you want to enter, send them to the gaffer at Balsari with the big shout in the email subject line. And if you want any kind of inspiration, maybe listen to this because I have a bit of a selection for you. It's six selections here, Mick. Right, and okay. they all come. Now, actually, I've got five selections and one that I'm not fully sure of. I've got I'm torn between two as my sixth. Both of them would get me over 30 to 1. So I'll, I'll, I'll talk you through the first five all, and then we'll see what's going on. So, first up, Leinster against Saracens. I'm going, Stevie there on the line said that he said immediately after the skin that uh, Leinster could beat Saracens by 20 points. Uh, I'm kind of holding them to that knee-jerk reaction because I'm going to say Leinster are going to beat the handicap at nine points. That's a 10, uh, that's a uh, 11 to 10 on on Labrooks. Then we move on uh, to football. All the rest are to do with, actually, sorry, there's golf as well. Golf, Dustin Johnson, four, nine to four on to finish in the top 20. That's, I mean, Mike Bailey was on the podcast this week. He fancies him. He's the world number one. He's winning tournaments left, right and center. I think from the finish in the top 20, safe enough. I think one, two, one are his last three uh, finishes on the PGA Tour uh, in the high pressure environment of the FedEx Cup run in. So uh, to finish in the top 20, as you said, possibly safe enough, yeah. Then three Premier League shouts. Leeds to beat okay. Fulham. 13 to 8 on. Oh, right. Too much. Never bet on your own team. That is a worry. But I have been trying to tell people how much crack leaves are going to be to watch in the Premier League. And I think that is the one prediction that I've actually been proven right on when it comes to sport. One game, but something. so far, so good. You've got a bit of credit in the bank after that Although, one game. For those just thinking, this is a very brief aside here for fancy football advice. For everyone buying into this narrative that Leeds are going to be mad attacking and really open at the back for the entire season, don't believe it. They actually are very good at keeping clean sheets and very good defensively. So there are a lot of cheap Leeds defenders there that you can start picking up now, especially going into this Fulham game. But anyway, that's an aside. Next up, Arsenal against West Ham. Arsenal half-time, Arsenal full-time. Rejuvenated. 11-8 to on Labrooks, that is. And I think that's definitely going to happen. 11 to 8. Yeah, it's an interesting one. It's, I'd, I'd always worry about the halftime, full-time. It means you have to get off the mark early. West Ham are shocking. Yeah, and it's fun. Like, I mean, when, when your captain is calling out the club on Twitter a week before the yep. season starts, it's not a great sign. Then you lose 2-0 to Newcastle. Mm. Moving on to the big game of the weekend, Chelsea against Liverpool. I could see oh. this being a lot of goals. I don't know who's going to win it, but I'm going to go with Mo Salah to score any time at 6-5. to five. Okay. What do you think? I'd worry about it. Uh, I think Salah is on great form, thankfully. Um, and, you know, why wouldn't he score against his old club, uh, given the form he's in? And Chelsea aren't going to be amazing at the back, I don't think. Um, so, yeah, look, I like it. I like it. It's just, it's tough when it's one of five for a big shot. But that's why they call it a big shot, Mark. And then, last oh, game, tournament between two. one of two. six. <laughs> One of six, yeah. Sorry. That, I thought that, that almost it. got me to 25 to 1. But no, this is the one. I've got to go with either Man United to beat Crystal Palace is the obvious one. 3 to 1 on. Yeah. That's the one that you do to get you over the 25 to 1 mark. But I think I'd rather Everton to beat West Brom at 15 to 8 on. 
Mm. Everton looked very good. But the thing that worries me is that Everton could go out and be very much Everton in this game. But yeah. if I go with United, United could go out and be very much United in that game. So United's problem for me anyway, and this was like, I was very glad that Villa had a Carabao Cup game last night so that they could literally be brutal for 60 minutes and then kind of get it together because you're getting, so even against the League One team, you're getting real minutes and a real competition under your belt. United don't have that luxury. Do you know, like they're not playing because they're in Europe. They're not playing until the third round. So they're playing their first game of the season at the weekend against a team who played a Premier League game last week. You know, I do actually think that makes a difference. I still think they'll win. I'm going to pick them in one, two, three in a few minutes, but I like the Everton one. Here's the thing with Everton, right? Everton go out and beat Spurs and then don't beat newly promoted team who were hammered in their first game up means that they're just Everton. They're the same Everton team that we've seen for 30 years. If Everton beat Spurs and then go out and back it up by comfortably beating West Brom at the weekend, you're like, oh, Carlo Ancelotti. What have you I done? Have you, have you, have you, really have you made a real deal team here? Yeah, yeah. So I like, for the interest alone in that happening, I'm, I'd suggest you pick Everton. And also the bigger odds. So that brings me to an overall six-fold accumulator of 34.68 to one, which means I get a bigger cake if it comes off. Isn't that true? So I think no, that's the rule. No, no, same cake. Same cake. Two, uh, two Gatto Swiss rolls. Two Gatto and, Swiss rolls and a sports biography of my choosing or of your choosing. Of, of, of what you've got. providing uh, yeah, stock pending. It's of your cho- <laughs> it's of your your choice. Okay, thirty four six. That's just Everton to just win that match. So Leinster minus yeah. nine against Saracens. Dustin Johnson to finish in the top twenty in the US Open. Leeds to beat Fulham at eight to thirteen. Everton to beat uh, West Brom. Um, Mo Salah half time. S- Arsenal full time. And Mo Salah and Mo Salah to score at any yeah. time against Chelsea. Okay. 34.6. There you have it. It's a lot. There's a lot of. I like when there's three certainties and a mad one. You've gone with a load of ones that could happen. Yeah, exactly. It's, a, it's, a bit, it's still a bit worrying. It's the you have to a, to a, a sure thing. So, and look, it's golf, so nothing's a sure thing. But look, it's to be interesting <laughs> weekend, and it's, it'll, keep us, it'll keep us entertained across the week uh, before Dustin Johnson doesn't make the call on Friday. But uh, you can get on to Labricks yourself and uh, look for the odds, come up with your prediction, send us your big shout. You don't even have to put the bet on, just send us an email with the subject line, the big shout to gaffer at balls.ie, um, gaffer and at balls. tell us what the odds are. That's what I said. Now, you just said gaffer, but anyway, there you go. Oh, did I? The gaffer at Balls that he, just to reiterate. Um, so, <laughs> if it comes off, you will win yourself that coveted prize, two cakes and a sports photography. If you are having a bet on any of the sport over the weekend, please do gamble responsibly. You can visit dunlouis.net for more information. And up next, we play one, two, three. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, I mean, a couple of guys. I, I, I love Tony Finau's game. So, I, I think if he's on... Um, you know, he, he certainly hits it long enough and, and, you know, this is a guy who hits it long without really going after it. So, I mean, his, his normal, nice, easy, smooth swing gives him plenty of distance and he has all the tools as well. So if he's on, he's definitely got a chance. Uh, and in my third flight, I picked a couple of Matthews, uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick and Matthew Wolf. And, uh, you know, I, I think those guys have an outside shot and I love Matthew Wolf. I love that golf swing. Um, it's, it's so much fun to watch, but he's very long and, and he's pretty straight with it. So I think he'll be pretty accurate, which is what you need at wing foot. Speaking of big shouts, that was the voice of Mike Bailey, US golf journalist, uh, who has 
tip there uh, Tony Fina he likes to look up he has a few other selections uh, that he makes on the podcast this week we spoke to him earlier in the week like we mentioned you can go back and find that in the build up feed if you want to listen to all the rest of it and all the other uh, golfers that he points out but it is time for one two three you can win yourself 100 euro cash on labrooks.com by playing their one two three game if you correctly predict the score of three of this weekend's football matches they're all from the Premier League this weekend so make your uh, knowledge of a league on or whatever it was that you were doing a couple of weeks ago doesn't it's not going to come in any use here Mick uh, you're going to have Damn to it, all this research I did yeah, yeah all that research you're going to have to go back now and start looking at the English leagues first game up Man United against Crystal Palace at half five on Saturday evening I'm going to go I said I don't trust United for the big shout but look we're one two three I'm going to go with it and I'm going to say two nil United right yeah I'm the same it's like I have to pick whether they're going to win the match or not. I think they will win the match. I just don't know if I want to put uh, uh, them down on paper in a big shout. I think they'll win 3-1. Three, one. Three, one. Palace could be in trouble this year, by the way. This yeah, I said that and then they went and won. Mm, <laughs> it's a long season. Again. It's a long season. That beat Southampton. If Zaha goes, especially. But next game up, Arsenal against West Ham. As we mentioned, Arsenal are very good. West Ham are very bad. Arsenal are going to win this game 3-0. I think, yeah, 3-0, I'm going to say. Right, 2-0 for me, and I'm fairly happy with that one. Yep, nothing needs saying anything on that nope. one. It's just by how much, really, I think, for Arsenal. And then the big one that I can't call, Chelsea against Liverpool. Yeah. I think the only thing we know about this is that going to, there's going to be goals. You said there was going to be goals earlier, and now it's making me rethink, but I'd already submitted my picks. I went for one all. I think Chelsea are going to start the season really well and kind of like be the... the top of the table in October kind of team and was all talking about them not necessarily stay on but you know for that they have to get at least the result although I just Liverpool just aren't going to be beaten easy you know so I just fancied the draw and said one all and now I'm thinking maybe we should have gone a bit higher maybe we should have gone two all three all but I don't know no, I'm, I'm the only stuck thing one all. yeah the one thing with Chelsea though is that for a long time against that Brighton game in that Brighton game sorry they were very bad um, yeah. which makes me think that Liverpool are going to win it. I just think Liverpool could concede. Maybe not when I say there's going to be goals. Maybe I'll just go three goals overall. So I'm going to say 2-1 for Liverpool. Um, I think in a way win, uh, they get the victory, but Chelsea might grab some sort of consolation goal or a goal to give them hope before they never to be crumble. Okay. There you have it. I don't picks. know how it I, I think you're being blinded by your anti-Frank Lampard agenda here. I'm, not, I'm just being blinded by the fact that... Uh, Lamptey and Co absolutely terrorised uh, Chelsea for a long for long periods in that game before they they went back in front and two one and then kind of had a you know the ease to victory but before that yeah I thought they weren't comfortable enough like I thought they were comfortable for most of the time when they were one nil up as well but anyway that's another that's enough for another that's that, well look we, we'll find out next week whether or we'll find out on Sunday whether who, yeah, exactly. who's right in their analysis of the Brighton game. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm, I mean, we ended up down this wormhole but anyway you can get on to labrooks.com yourself and play one two three uh, if you get one score right you win a euro free bet if you get two you win a five euro free bet and if you get all three you'll win yourself 100 euro cash before we go we've just got time left for the return of something a bit special for all you American football fans it's Mick McCarthy's destined to be terrible NFL picks my NFL picks, Mark, are back. I'm so excited about it. Look, they weren't as bad as like my big shouts or anything like that last year. But, you know, let's face it, they weren't the greatest in the world. They did keep us afloat for that early period in the podcast while we were counting how we were doing each week. And we're seeing where we break it even. And we quickly abandoned that slot because it quickly became apparent. 
<laughs> that we're, we're not, not very good at picking for it. Yeah, but look, um, I've got a couple of picks this week, right? Um, I've gone for three picks, straight up picks with the handicap. I think I will probably get a little bit more uh, inventive with these as the weeks go on and maybe look at kind of alternate handicaps and different things like that. But for right now, just a straight up treble um, that I'm going for this week with the handicaps, okay? The Buffalo AFC battle between the much fancied Buffalo Bills this week. Your favorite team, of course, Mark. I just realized that as yes. I was saying it there. Your beloved Buffalo Bills. I just Bills. realized that as well. I forgot about them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they had a good win over the Jets. Um, they're at the Miami Dolphins, who lost to the Patriots and Cam Newton last week. Um, they're also minus six on the road. There will be some fans. There's going to be fans at the Florida games. Um, however, I think despite the fact that the Bills being a good team, the Dolphins are very, very feisty this year. And I think that they will give a lot of teams trouble. I think they'll also give the Bills trouble. And I can see this game being close no matter who wins. So I think minus six for a road favorite for an untested team, despite being fancied, still not a really tested team like the Bills, I think is too much. So I'm going to go for the Dolphins plus six in that one. Um, There's a similar scenario in the next game I'm looking at. The Carolina Panthers... Um, plus 9.5 at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with uh, Tom Brady and all his weapons. They were poor enough against the Saints last week. I wouldn't press the panic button. The Saints are probably the top three teams in the NFC um, against a kind of a team just playing together for the first time. You know, I wouldn't worry too much about it. They, I think they'll probably be fine, the Bucs. However, 9.5 is way too much against the Panthers. The Panthers were better than expected last week um, with Teddy Bridgewater um, playing uh, quarterback for them. I don't think the Bucks have it all together yet. I'm going to go for the Panthers on the road plus 9.5. That's nearly 10 points. Like it's a, it, that, you know, the Bucks could still win this comfortably and I still win the bet. Um, and then finally, it hasn't been a great start for the Houston Texans. They've a uh, good team, Deshaun Watson there. And, you know, their first two games up against the Kansas City Chiefs and the season opener played well and were well beaten. And now they've got the Baltimore Ravens and, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson. So not the easiest of starts. The Ravens looked unbelievable against the Browns. I think the Ravens are going to be like a 15-1 and style team this year. They're going to go, you know, they could easily beat the Chiefs and, and represent the ASC in the Super Bowl. I think they're a very, very good team. And I think they're going to go on the road to the Texans and win by more than seven points. So they're Ravens minus seven. So Dolphins plus six, Panthers plus 9.5, and Ravens minus seven are my picks for this week, Mark. Nice stuff. One last thing before we go. It's not a getting hyped for the weekend or anything because there actually is no race this weekend. But I do think we should point out that the two weeks that I didn't mention Formula One on the show in some sort of throwaway thing in a big shout or something, we've had two of the maddest races of all time. There's been, how many red flags would you say there have been in the last five or six years making Formula One? I'd say none. There was one, the last time there was a red flag in a race (laughs) was in 2017. Right? right, okay. Over the last two races, there have been three. It's <laughs> okay. just, there's mad stuff going on altogether. So that's just my uh, uh, a few, I think to watch out for in the future in a couple of weeks that the forward is actually uh, could be possibly, possibly worth watching. But ultimately, watching. Lewis uh, Hamilton wins every race. But ultimately, yeah, that, that is true. Yeah. That, well, actually, no, sorry. Pierre Gasly won the one two weeks ago okay. uh, in Italy. That was the maddest thing of it all. That was, that was unbelievable. But the one at the weekend was Lewis Hamilton. You know, the actual race itself wasn't much crack. It was more the fact that there was like... 
things been, the race having been stopped and yellow flags and everything. But anyway, how are we talking about Formula One when there's nothing else, when it's the only sport that's not actually happening this weekend? Yeah. Uh, thank you to Mike Bailey, a golf journalist who joined us earlier on in the week to the preview of the golf. Thanks to Stephen for his chat about the rugby. There's plenty going on, as you mentioned, between GEA football, loads of stuff we didn't even get time to cover. So we hope you would enjoy the sporting weekend. Please do subscribe to the podcast. You can find us by searching Build Up on Ball Study and all good podcast apps. And please leave a rating and a review while you're there. But until we chat to you next week, mind yourself. Thank you.